Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to My Millennial Career. I have been in Melbourne this week at the time of this recording running some culture workshops with teams down here and it's been awesome. It's been epic. And if you want to work on your team culture or your leadership, let's chat. DM me on LinkedIn and we can talk about how we can work together. Okay. Today's episode, we are recording live from RMIT, the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology. Joining me in the studio, RMIT, Steph Clark from 28 Thursdays. And if you haven't listened to a previous episode with Steph Clark, let me introduce you to her. She's had this amazing career, like it blows my mind. She started off her career as an auditor and then moved into the learning and development space. She was a senior manager at EY leading the learning and development function, creating learning projects for really large organizations. And I just love how her career journey has been so diverse and it's given her so much good insight that she jumps into and shares on today's episode. We are doing a career Q&A where we cover so many different questions. Steph is a futurist and she's looking at all things around the future of work and helping organizations to go from where they are and to adapt to all manner of futures. So all those possibilities, she's there helping them learn, helping them figure it out. And if I can think of one thing that employees need right now in their career, it is the ability to adapt to uncertain and unknown conditions. And so Steph is right there helping businesses do it and make it happen and helping teams grow, adapt, learn and change. Today's episode is epic, super fun. Let's get into it. Today on the show, I'm joined by Steph Clark. She is back for round two. Revenge, Revenge of the Steph, that's right. Or Empire Strikes Back, but Steph Strikes mm, Back. That's what good What do as you well. prefer? No, Revenge of the Steph, let's okay. do that. <laughs> <laughs> way, way better. <laughs> I do like it. Yeah, it's got, it's bit, got a bit of edge to it. I is like that, that our yeah. episode title? That is the subtitle of the episode, yeah. Uh, perfect. Yeah. So today on the show, Steph's co-hosting with me. And what mm-hmm. are we doing today? Well, first of all, we're here in person. So it's feel really weird to like record a podcast with someone you can like lean over and poke them at the same time. And we've known, I feel like we've known each other for a while, but we've never like, met in real life. internet friends. LinkedIn buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here we are in real life. IRL with neon lights. Totally. And so we are doing a career Q&A. An AMA. AMA. And what? ask me anything. Okay. I'm glad you've clarified what that means because I'm bad with the acronyms and I'm out of good. touch with good. things. Yeah, but you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Speaking of being out of touch with things. Oh, yeah. Today, we've got a couple of questions about how to stay ahead in your career mm. and how to learn when the world is changing so fast. So this idea of what are the future skills? And we've talked about this a little bit before. Mm-hmm. You are a futurist. You're doing so much stuff in this space. Mm-hmm. Can we just open with that banger of a question? So someone has sent through a question, this one from an anonymous person. I'm worried my job will be automated by AI in the next few years. What can I do to prepare? Number one, what a a segue. I mean, what a pro. I'm going to say, like, that was top quality. Well done. Thank you. 
Well, first of all, I think for this person to even be thinking about this is like they are already a step ahead probably of a lot of other people. So this is this is great. They're already onto a good thing. I think it's coming back to this idea of like, what are they doing or what can you be doing to have a think about, well, what other skills won't be automated or maybe not automated anytime soon? And yeah, my answer probably for all of the questions in some way, shape or form will be some kind of learning. And I think coming back to having a look at what is what else is happening in your industry. So think beyond your job and think of like breaking your job down into its sort of composite skills and tasks or roles or whatever and just think well which bits of those are likely to be automated and then which in your industry more generally what's going to be automated what's going to remain and what will people need to be doing more of or less of and then just think about well maybe you've already got some of those experiences and you just need to like double down on some of those so that you're it's almost obvious that you take that side step or that different step into the kind of more human part of that role or that industry or that kind of sort of service that you're providing or your, the work you're doing. And the stuff that gets automated is almost irrelevant then because you've just sort of segued away from it or you've sort of um, taken a sidestep from it. I love your call out about learning mm. and how if we think about what we need in the future, it will be that accelerated rate of learning. Like how quickly can we learn adapt and change. Yeah. I'm just interested when you say that word of like, how do you gravitate towards those human skills? What sort of things do you mean when you're saying that? I was actually reading, not in preparation for this, but the other day, for something else I happened to be reading the World Economic Forum's 2023 skills report and the future skills on there, and I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but it was all around kind of creative thinking relationship building, problem solving, particularly complex problem solving. So being, being able to look across maybe different disciplines and not just solving things in the way that have been done before. So I think looking at reports like that are really useful to be like, look, and again, they are, there's a caveat there, they're, they're somewhat predictions and it's, yeah, hold it kind of lightly, but it gives us sort of a sense of the direction we're going. And the skills around kind of analytics and things and like analytical skills are becoming less and less than technical skills. But there is one in there around technical literacy and being able to actually see what's coming, understand technology. So maybe you, you, the fact you're even thinking about AI replacing your role, maybe you can be the one who actually implements the AI. So if you are thinking, actually, this is how AI can, can do some of my job, maybe the thing, the role you can create for yourself is the person who actually implements the AI rollout. So you almost cannibalize your own job, but you're in control of doing that. And you're the one who actually can add the value because you can think about the job and the where the AI can add more value than you can and where then your role remains afterwards. I think that's such a good point of getting on the front foot and going, mm. I can see this part of my role, this routine yeah. part of my role or the, I know on a previous episode with, actually it was a really long time ago. Mm -hmm. It was pre-COVID. It feels like oh, a wow. lifetime ago. Dr. Julian Waters, actually he's from RMIT, mm. which I should say is where we're recording today. Yeah. We are at RMIT in one of their studios recording because we've been doing some work with them. Just shout out to them. Love them. Do my master's here. Cannot say and recommend them enough. That's an aside. But he, he was a, a lecturer here mm -hmm. and he was saying this idea of find the routinized parts of your job. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I butchered that word routinized, but let's go with that. Yeah. And things that feel... Algorithmic. The routine, routine parts. The ru routine, routine parts. parts much, much more simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and find those things. They would be the things that are more at risk of mm. being automated. 
and even using the word risk is probably the wrong word, more likely to be automated, which is an advantage to you because Mm. they're probably things that are more dull. Yeah. And focus your energy on those human skills. And I keep coming back to, okay, core human skills, what are they? I think the ability to show empathy, mm-hmm. kindness. You talk heaps about curiosity, like mm-hmm. you're obsessed mm-hmm. with curiosity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am, yeah. <laughs> and you're a very curious person. Yep. But that skill mm-hmm. is like, it's a superpower when we think about the future of work. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that when you read the skills report and those future skills, pretty much all of them are underpinned by some kind of curiosity and ongoing learning and adaptability, which is the one you mentioned as well. And there's always, you know, this has become slightly old hat now, this this saying, but it's not going to be AI that replaces your job. It's going to be someone using AI that does. Ah, oh, nice. Not old hat to me. I, that's, yeah, that's, new. that's the first time I'm hearing it. There we go. My gift, my <laughs> I'm learning gift lots to today. <laughs> Thank you. Should we go to another question? Absolutely. Where are we now, going next? The one that I've got, which is definitely not my forte, because I've chosen a different career path in life, is we had a question from someone who has spent two years of sleepless nights after having a small human. Oh, How do they get back into work and kind of stay and kind of catch up on what they've missed and stay relevant and, and feel like they can kind of gain a competitive advantage again by re-entering when they are tired human? I feel that on a deep, deep level. <laughs> My two. So I've got Sunny, she's six. Bowie, he's two. Bowie decides his wake-up time is 4.30. Mm-hmm. And that's been a year of that. And I, I'm like, I'm passing you on stage. I should not be getting up at this time of morning. But he's like, so do you know what I've done? Mm. I've told myself I'm part of the 5am club, <laughs> which I know you hate that book. <laughs> I do, we, we, well remembered. I do hate that book, yeah. Um, so I'm like, I'm an I'm a involuntary member of mm-hmm. this terrible morning <laughs> club that I do not like because I'm not a morning person. Mm-hmm. Anyway... I think this thing of feeling that fatigue and tiredness and exhaustion Mm. is such a challenge. And then to feel like you have to show up, not at like 100%, but you have to show up at work at like 120, 150%. And you have to catch up. Like all those ideas of the pressure that we put on ourselves, that in and of itself is exhausting. Yeah. It's like compounding the exhaustion you already feel because of sleep debt. Mm Mm-hmm. Plus, then you're walking in feeling like you're behind and then feeling like you need to catch up. So I just want to call out a lot of that pressure, although it's real, I think it's unreasonable Mm. that we Mm -hmm. put on Mm. ourselves as parents. And I have found how do you reset those expectations around what is a normal day going to look like? I don't have to give 150% consistently. And in fact, some days I'll probably give 60, other days it might be 120, mm-hmm. other days it might be... If I show up, it's a good thing. <laughs> if I get out of bed. Yeah. But my big recommendation to this person who sent this question in would be to remind yourself that you actually have been working. Mm. I have found a lot of, and it's, it's more typically been mums who have talked to me about this, but it's any parent who takes time off. Mm-hmm and time off in inverted commas, (laughs) Uh, that feeling of I have been off work or I've been on leave or I've Mm. been on a career break. And to me, being a parent is so incredibly challenging. It tests every single part of you. It is, it's absolutely amazing and Mm. beautiful, but it's challenging. And so I just want to acknowledge all of this ramble of mine right now is to say, I see you and I think it is a real challenge. And 
don't place unnecessary pressure on yourself Mm. because I don't think that's helpful for anyone. The next thing I would say is be vulnerable once you get into that job. So let's say you're coming back after a couple of years of being a full-time parent and you're coming back into the workforce. Once you land your job, I want you to work out how do you have vulnerable and open conversations with your boss about where you're at? So Steph, if you're my boss, which I'd be stoked if you were my boss. <laughs> you wouldn't. There's <laughs> a reason I work for myself. <laughs> well, let's pretend for the purpose of okay, today. Okay, okay, okay. I'm a great you're boss. I'm boss. a great boss. I'm a great you're boss. boss. <laughs> uh, I'm in the role. I would just want to be open with you about, mm. hey, where I'm at at the moment, my kids wake up multiple times at night. This is what I'm doing to manage my energy levels. Here's a bit of a plan I've put in place sometimes, like for example, when your kids are waking up six times a night and you have to put in an eight hour day, have a conversation with your boss about when you can work and if there's flexibility. Yeah. Because for me, I find I work better and more creatively in the evenings Mm. and I get another little energy kick. So that works for me. So whatever that is for you, find that out. And I want you to then have vulnerable and open conversations about where you're at. Because I think if you get on the front foot, it can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, and if you're coming, it's then with anything or any kind of challenge, if you're coming with the plan, hey, here's what I think would work or here's a couple of options, right? Like as a manager or, or a leader or whatever, I'd be like, cool, let's have a conversation. There might be some tweaks we need to make, but great. Totally. And it is reframing it of, and and just sense checking, is this pressure that I'm putting on myself Mm -hmm. from someone else or is it, is it an like external pressure that I'm placing? Is that reasonable? Yeah. And I think like this year in particular, it feels like you could have gone on a two week holiday and feel behind given how fast things have been this year. Never mind if you've been doing something else for a year or two or whatever, you know, in whatever you've chosen to do in that time. Yeah. Totally. I can't mm. believe it. At the time of this recording, it is September and it's boiling hot and I'm in a jumper and I'm like, where is, oh, I thought we were still in winter. Anyway. Yep. Well, you are in Melbourne. I so am in Melbourne. You, you could, it could have gone either way. <laughs> Absolutely right. could have. There's a couple of questions that I feel like we can merge into one because there's a bit of a sub, kind of two different avenues around promotions. Oh. So I'm going to share both and then we'll kind of tackle them separately. So this one, there was one that was around someone who was told by their manager that they weren't ready, that this person was not ready for a promotion and they didn't know what to do with that information. The second one, somewhat similar, was that there is, they are acting up in the kind of role above, but they're currently still the kind of the, yeah, the role below and their manager has told them, well, there's no promotions available until next year. I'm going to tackle that second one first because I've been there and then mm. we can have a chat about the first one. Perfect. So the second one, which was where someone's acting up and they've been told they can't be promoted until next year. So I think this is where you have to really just think about what does that promotion really mean to you? And for me, so when I had that situation, it was a few years ago now, I was a manager, I was waiting for my senior manager promotion when I was at my, in my previous role. And the, the thing that made it better for me was that the people who I kind of cared about in terms of my stakeholders, my managers, et cetera, they they treated me like I was in that role above. And for me, that was way more important because I was like, they trust me to do this senior manager role, even though I'm not currently labeled senior manager. And they gave me a, a position that was commensurate with a senior manager, like in terms of a portfolio of work, the team, you know, all of those other things. So I was like, they trust me and they can, they do recognize that I'm you know, working at this level, but the system just doesn't quite work with 
you know, a number of available promotions, the time it takes to go through, yeah, you know, all of those kind of things. So for me, I was like, that's fine. Like for me, the more important thing was to trust the people that I'm working with and the fact that I knew that I was on track for a promotion. That's obviously not the case for everyone. And there's obviously that trust piece, maybe the thing that's actually missing. So I think it's a conversation with the, and this is probably where it overlaps, the first question or the, uh, the first kind of variation of this is actually having the conversation around what do you need to see from me in order to be, to make sure that next year at that round of promotions, it's a shoe in like it is just kind of deal done, rubber stamp, done when it comes to June, May, whatever it is, you know, the time you're waiting for. So I think it's number one, it's just really kind of probably resetting your mindset around what do I actually need from this promotion? And what can I work around myself in terms of my own mindset around, well, actually, am I being kind of cheated out of something here? Or is it just that it's purely a, a waiting game because of the process? Uh, and then number two, having the conversations to make sure that then when it comes to that time next year that you're like, great, it's just a kind of rubber stamp of approval. On it, because I think it can be discouraging, especially mm. if one of the things that you want is you want that feeling of, I have a role title that helps me feel like I'm progressing or I'm getting the pay rises that come with the certain level changes. Like there's all these these motivations for you the big motivation was like the learning that you were getting from yeah. having that trust. Yeah, and the recognition. So you actually, I had the recognition. I just didn't have the piece of paper. Like, and it's like, all oh, this stuff's made up. Like, <laughs> Say more. It, it's, like all these titles and things like that, it's all shit. Like, it's all just made up. So, and yes, I know it means things in terms of, you know, pay and that's obviously a very real thing, especially with the cosy lives and all mm. the rest. So that aside, all the titles and stuff, like it's all just ego. <laughs> <laughs> when you yeah. kind of remember that, you're like, okay, I'm fine. Like they, they recognize me. They're telling me I'm doing a good job and they're giving me things that show that they actually mean that rather than me like, yeah, 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 Steph, you're good. You're good. You're good. And then it, you know, kind of not being true. So just kind of let that, let that go. I can't control that. And I think if it had taken that extra time or then I got, you know, stitched kind of later on, I, that would have been my kind of cue to, to leave and go, actually, that kind of recognition wasn't real, blah, blah, blah. But that wasn't the case. So, yeah. I love, love, I bloody love that call out about ego. Mm. So many of the hangups we have at work, and I am included in this, like this is my own reflection Mm. of, can be around, I want to have manager in my job title, Mm -hmm. or I want to have executive or whatever the thing is for you, insert your own version of this. Mm. But when you boil down to underneath, why do you want that? Yeah. So often it's like an ego thing. Of course. And I think we've got to continually go back in in our careers and in our work situation, whenever we have these little feelings of, let's say it could be resentment, because I I kind of got the vibe from this question. I'm sure this person feels resentful towards their boss who's stopping them from progressing. Yeah. When you have those moments, resentment is like this amazing thing, terrible, terrible mm-hmm. thing to feel, but like it's, it's an indicator. It's a great data point though. Yeah. Isn't it? It's this indicator of, okay, something's not right. What is that? And what, do, what does that tell me? What's the data point about my own, where I'm at? And so for me, when I felt like, I, re- I do remember this one moment uh, a couple of years, well, probably five or so years back. Uh, in a HR manager role, and I didn't. <laughs> this sounds so egotistical. Mm, now that I'm saying, fine, it. let's go there. I I wasn't. <laughs> I'll judge you quietly. It's fine. Please do. <laughs> I um, I wasn't invited into this certain exec meeting that mm-hmm, I felt mm-hmm. like 
I uh, I should be invited into <laughs> mm-hmm, that because mm-hmm. I've got really good perspective, Chad. And I don't doubt that that was true. No, I think no. I did. Of course. But I got so hung up on it. Mm. And then when I looked and reflected on that, I'm like, why do I, why am I so hung up and annoyed about the fact that I'm not in that room? Mm, mm. And a lot of it was to do with ego and status. Of course. And I just, I, as I did that reflection, I remember thinking, why am I spending all this emotional energy on this? Mm. And I think, like, I think both of us are quite ambitious people, but I think it's about channeling that in the right way. And those things and making those decisions and actually taking that step back and being like, oh, wow, why am I getting hung about that? It's not about actually a lack of ambition or whatever. It's just about cha- exactly that, channeling your energy. Like, is that really what I want to spend that on? Or could I be being the best person, the best version of this role or this thing I'm doing as I can? So that it's that whole so good they can't ignore you kind of approach. Oh, yeah. I love Cal Newport. Mm. And, and he, Steve Martin, is that, the, that, is yes. that his yeah, quote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I'm, I'm just so glad you, you said that. I think the thing is your version and your story is so helpful of how you reframed your mm. mindset and you had permission from your boss to step into it, even though it's kind of that idea of do the job before you get the job. Yeah, so you had permission and trust. What would you say, and I'm putting you on the spot, mm. but what would you say to someone who isn't in that spot where they, they actually feel like they're being squashed and mm. their boss is, what's the word, hamstringing them? Their yep. boss is like holding them back. Yep. And it's not a in a good way. Yeah, and it sounds like that's probably actually links nicely to the first version of this question, which was the yeah, their boss saying like no, you're not ready. Yeah. But number one, you need to even understand what that means. Like, what does not ready mean? Like, have you actually sat down and had a conversation around? Okay, what are the expectations? What do you need to see from me? Here's the plan for the next quarter. And like, be specific and be annoying about it <laughs> as well. Be be having those regular conversations, get the feedback, yes. get the evidence. Because if you don't, someone else isn't doing that for you. And your boss saying, oh, you're not ready. Number one, that's probably a massive cop out from their, their point because they probably haven't given you the feedback and stuff until that's this point mm, to say point. you're not ready or to give you an indication of that being the case because clearly this person, it sounded like, thinks they are ready. What evidence do you have that you are ready? And how is that against, how have you plotted that against something that your manager cares about? Oh, I love that. I, it is really important to know what your manager cares about. Because yeah. it's not just tenure. And I think I've, you know, I've seen a lot of that. People are like, well, I've been here three years. Like, great. Congratulations. You've, <laughs> what, does, what does that even mean? Yeah. Mm. Well, it's, it, it is funny because I was talking to someone today, one of my clients, and, and we were having this conversation around we confuse tenure for experience and oh, capability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people can be in a role for nine months and demonstrate huge amounts of capability and experience versus someone who's been there for five years. And I think it comes down to understanding, like you said, what does your manager actually want? What does ready look like Mm. to them, Mm. not to you? Because you might think ready looks like doing X, Y, and Z, and they might think it looks like A, B, and C, Mm. and you've got a gap in what your expectations are. Because don't forget, they're also, depending on, I don't know how big this organization is or the context, of course, but they're also comparing you against other people who, and again, in the best and worst ways, I'm sure, but being able to, for them, they are then comparing you against what other people are doing. And maybe you're actually donating half of it, but you don't know that because you've never asked, they've never told you, they think that's all you're capable of because that's all you've ever done, rather than actually you being like, hey, what do you need to see? And then being like, oh, all these other things that you had no idea about. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think the other thing, going back to your comment about what does your manager actually want, 
If we were to boil down, and I'd love to hear, okay, so I'm going to share my top three things that I think managers want, and I'm going to mm-hmm. do this off the cuff so I'm thinking out loud. And I'd love to know what you you mm-hmm. feel like managers mm-hmm. really want from their teens. So, and it's totally sweet if there's overlap. Yep. Go with this. Go with this on the journey. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> number one, I think managers want people who are driven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I think they want people, and when I say driven, I use words like ownership. Yep initiative and the opposite of that to me would be like apathy apathy or blame shifting like oh, yeah, any yeah. of those kinds of behaviors so that's number one the second one I think managers want and this is like hypothesizing a bit mm-hmm. this is what I want mm-hmm. on my team I want someone to be humble enough to admit their mistakes mm-hmm. and like own it Actually, I feel like I'm just quoting um, Patrick Lynch. Um, yeah, Humble, like, Hungry and Smart. Ideal yeah, yeah. team player. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a I'm book like, in this. Actually, there's a book. Oh, wait, someone already wrote it. <laughs> okay, everyone, get Patrick Lynch on his ideal team player. And then only read the last 20 pages. The rest of the book is terrible. Did you? I love it. I hate those fables. Yeah. I cannot. I loved that book. Like, if I could take out those pages and just, like, shred them and just keep the last, like, 20. Really? Be happier. So I love that. That's my favourite of his books. Mm. I like the model. I like the stuff. I like the content, but I don't like the fables he puts at the beginning. Ah, okay. Well, there you go. We've got, I I think you can catch the essence and you can also watch the TED Talk. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) I love this. Three qualities. Here they are. Oh, wait. No, I'm quoting someone. Okay. (laughs) Everyone just humble, hungry, smart. And when he says smart, he means emotional intelligence or people smart. Yeah, yeah. And I do think, really, that's it's universal. Yeah. That <laughs> initiative, yeah, initiative for me. Like, when, as soon as you said, what do you want? That's, that's almost all I want is yeah. initiative. And for someone to be like, hey, sort of a thing. I tried it. Great. Well, how did it go? Yeah, terribly. Great. Tell me more. Like, that's, that's all I want is initiative. Like, if I don't have that, almost nothing else can offset it. What <laughs> are the things that you don't want as a manager and as someone who's led teams? Like, mm. what are the things that you're like, I really don't want this on my team? Or this would stop me from giving someone a promotion. I mean, the lack of initiative would, is absolutely, I mean, the offset. And you given I said that's the most important thing. The lack of that is a real problem for me. What else? I don't mind if someone's not super ambitious or driven, if they are still doing, focus on doing a quality, yeah. like quality work. And they're like, I'm kind of chill doing what I'm doing and doing it well. And improve, you know, making improvements and yeah. you know, those types of things. Like, that's okay. The other thing, I mean, that's all the kind of bad things. Like, are they constantly throwing people under a bus? I obviously don't want that. Like, that's also not cool. But, yeah, I think that just that lack of initiative, I just can't, it is, I cannot bear it. That and martyrism, I cannot. Tell me more about that. So just that kind of, oh, well, obviously, I mean, I was at nine o'clock last night, I was doing this. I'm like, do you want a biscuit? Like... (laughs) What are you hoping? I'm going to... Now, if someone is actually saying like, hey, actually, I've been working really late recently. I need a bit of like flexing, whatever. Like, great. That's that's fine. But when it's this kind of self kind of... Number one, when it's actually only their fault that they're, do, yeah, <laughs> they're doing that, they've put them in a position, themselves in a position where that is what they've had to do. Or they didn't have to do that. They did it anyway so that they've got something to complain about. Yeah, that's a really... I wouldn't have pulled that one out. And I think that's a really good call mm. out of... Sometimes when people are like... Um, blame, I guess it's... I'm so busy. Yeah. Instead of the proactive approach, which is I'm 
really busy, but I mm. think I need to work on my productivity and get more strategic with how I'm yeah. working. Like, or in- hey, I'm asking for he- I'm actually asking for help here. Yeah. Some, a lot of a lot of people who I've sadly experienced who have who are like that as people, they're not actually asking for the help. It's just kind of it's more attention and more like uh, okay, yeah. What are you, are you in all that again? That tr- sort of status seeking over someone else. Oh well, I was here. I was here till ten o'clock last. I hope that was kind of your choice because you came, you know, you work flexibly or you do these other things or you actually didn't need to be doing that because you knew it wasn't important, but you needed to have something to kind of put above other people or to, to be sad about. To I about. think it's... <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to get oh. to a rant on this today, but... Uh. <laughs> well, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> this can be your soapbox. Mm. I um, also think it's been nice and refreshing having, and I don't want to put generational mm. stereotypes in, but... I have loved how Gen Zs are pushing back against hustle culture that I think a lot of millennials have really subscribed to mm. and fallen into the trap of, which is why I think we've experienced a lot of burnout. Absolutely. And I love that thing of like, hey, work is cool and I'm going to invest a stack mm. of energy into it, but when I'm not on, I'm not on. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that is awesome. Yeah, rather than suffering for the sake of it. So that to prove, to prove what to who. To prove what to who, that is a very good thing that we should all reflect on. I think so. Why am I doing this? Who am I, pro- who am I trying to prove something yep. to yep. and why? When you said about the ego thing earlier, you were giving your, you were doing your kind of show and tell of past Shelley. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to say you, you were the sort of person who demanded that you went first in the CC, you know, or in the two email. You know, that's, oh. a, whole, you know, that's a thing. <laughs> this is a yeah, thing. Yeah, in order. Yeah. I Holy moly. could not believe it when I saw that on the Aussie Corp on Instagram. They had a whole thing about it uh, months ago now about people kind of messaging in like, yeah, actually I got like a performance review basically. By because not I putting the most senior person, first. put it in order of seniority. Yeah. I love that. That's priceless. That's wild. Can you imagine being that insecure in your life that you need to be first in an email? Yeah. Which yeah. everyone gets at the same time. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm always like death to the CC. I I oh that too. Yeah, I did not. I'm like if I I don't want to be CC'd into anything <laughs> if possible. So, so let's move on to the next mm-hmm. question. And so Kat has sent through a question, and she says, "I'll be moving for my partner's work at the end of the year, and I'll be moving interstate to Brisbane." I'll either need to get a job there before moving or study. I've had enough of study and I'd like to get a new job. Any advice for interstate job applicants? I'm no recruiter, but I feel like this is overthought slightly. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too... I've gone too rogue after I was allowed to have a little rant earlier. I'm like, ah, (laughs) Here I go. Yeah, here I go. Because, I mean, obviously there are some logistical things, but maybe it's that you... I I feel like there's still quite a lot of interviews happening remotely, in which case... You can apply and you can have an interview. You're probably, it sounds like you're still in the same time zone, potentially, in which case I don't think, or even if you're interstate, you're only going to be, yeah, it's going to be the case of a couple of hours at the most, at the moment in Australia. So yeah, organise an interview or try and interview, organise a couple of interviews, fly over, do a couple of interviews in a few, you know, in a couple of days, or fly up, down, wherever you're kind of flying or travelling from and do a couple of interviews in a, in a few days and organise it that way. And as long as people know, and I think especially with flexible working at the moment, if you needed to start a bit earlier, but start remotely, or you know, there's, there's ways around these things, especially now, I just think. Totally. Yeah. I, it's interesting, pre-COVID, like 
I just remember my internal HR and internal mm. talent acquisition teams and recruiters, there was this scepticism around if someone moves into state, will they be able to last without a community or support network? There used to be uh, this yeah, like okay, old yeah. school scepticism around that. And mm. now it's funny because I haven't even thought about those yeah. big transitions because of COVID just changing so much of how we mm. operate. And so I, I'm with you. I don't think that this is an issue anymore. No. Unless it's like a really remote rural location whereby you moving there is like a significant challenge. Yeah. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think which that, sounds like they're moving to Brisbane, which, you know, it's... Yeah. yeah it's a city. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so I think that idea of... Sometimes it's, it's funny... We, we have these internal narratives mm, mm. that become a blocker for us yeah. landing jobs. Like I find if it could be whether it's interstate job applicants or it could be that job looks like it needs certain criteria that I don't have. Mm. I think something that we do as people is we find things to self-exclude you've ourselves. already excluded yourself before you've even started. Yeah. For something that's really not an issue. So interstate job application is not an issue from our perspective mm. at all. But I think look at, is there anything that I'm doing to kind of exclude or, or lower my chances mm, of success? Mm-hmm. Because so much of how you show up in an interview is based on your own internal narrative. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you walk into that room or you go onto Zoom, jump in, and you're already ruling yourself out. Well, that's mm. going to come across in how yeah. you show up. Yeah. Or you're already kind of, you're, or you're going to get to Brisbane or wherever it is you're going and be like, oh, well, of course I can't find a job because I, I was interstate before like you've kind of already again made that process harder for yourself and I don't know what sort of jobs pe- this person's gonna be looking for or anyone else who's thinking about this as well if you're if you're organized if sorry if you're applying for an organization that's got national teams like no one can like the person interviewing you might be actually interstate anyway and I think that's my perspective you know, the, all the teams I've worked with have been national teams for the last forever kind of thing in my career so therefore it's just not even something I would consider having worked for kind of bigger and more national and international organisations. Totally. And I think in or in that vein, you could move to Brisbane but yeah. end up working for a Sydney-based company. Absolutely, absolutely. Or <laughs> your work. boss is in Sydney or, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, so there's, I, I like that idea though of being intentional about mm, mm-hmm. meeting in person. So scheduling mm. multiple interviews in. Yeah. You could reach out to some recruiters and like actually mm-hmm. be really strategic about that in-person time. Yeah. I think most places would do Zoom as their first step of uh, of the interview process. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, go for it. Do the thing. Don't ex- exclude yourself and don't let that impact how you show up at the interview. Mm. Good luck. Good luck. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to bring it home with one final question. If you want to grow in your career, I just wanted to remind you about our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Glenn James and I have written this book to help you with any kind of career crisis, but also those things that you want, like getting a promotion, making more money, moving into a leadership role, or if it's time to quit your job. You can find our book wherever you get good books from, or you can listen on the audiobook, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Now let's get back to the show. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we get to our final question, which is going to be your best career advice, Steph. Mm-hmm. Tell us about 28 Thursdays. Oh, surprise. This is the, this is the, the, the advert part. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about what you do because I know heaps of listeners will be wanting your services to help them get ready for the future, to help them understand the future of work and the skills that are needed in the workforce. Mm-hmm. So tell us, what do you Thanks. do? What does a day look like? Oh, well, it looks like <laughs> fun things like this at the moment, which is pretty cool. Uh, so two, two parts of the work I'm doing. So one half is the futures type work. So a lot of the time at the moment, it's kind of futures literacy. And what that means is helping teams get ready for the future of whatever it is they're doing, future of work or the future of their particular industry or the field that they're working in and running workshops to actually help them build those skills that you need to actually just look up from what you're doing every single day, look around and be like, oh, wow, that's possible or that's already happening. So the, the things I love the most in those types of sessions is people being sort of saying things like, oh, shit, I didn't realise that was already a thing, was already happening. And here's 10 examples happening around the world. And I bring you know, those examples with me, uh, particularly around future of work type stuff or you know, the industry they're working in, which obviously we, we talk about in advance, and then helping them build the skills to build futures thinking into their everyday of their, the work they're doing. So that's one thing. So do you help teams go from, because some of the struggles I see on teams is this idea of, well, we just do that because that's how it's always been done. Ugh, do yeah. you come in and help teams tackle that? Yes, yes. And sometimes to challenge that, sometimes to work with ideas that they can't really get off the ground because they don't think it's possible and bringing, coming somewhat armed with possibilities, really. And for them to think about uh, possible futures and potential outcomes of things. So actually, let's look at what's happening in society more broadly. What are the trends? What are the signals we're seeing? And what could that look like in a couple of different situations? And would your business actually survive in these couple of different scenarios? And that might be that the the market changes, it might be an impact of climate change, it might be sort of societal appetite towards what it is the work you're doing is changing, all different things. And obviously we, we bespoke, that's very bespoke, and uh, we tailor that for the type of business that is. Uh, and the, then the literacy part, which is actually building those baseline skills and, and really the mindset of being a futurist and using those skills every day. It's so good too. I love when you're saying possible futures because mm. I think the big thing we need to and any of the control freaks, you can just raise your hand and I'm here <laughs> with you. I am a control freak. It is me. But as a person who likes doing control, mm. one of the things is I want there to be only one possible future <laughs> and there just isn't that certainty. So mm. I love what your, your, your workshops are doing. It's helping us think through multiple scenarios and prepare for all kinds of factors mm. and be ahead of the curve rather than like you said, behind and not know and these things come out of left field and feel like, oh, well, we can't operate or mm. oh, no, my, my job is now completely automated by XYZ technology. Yep. I love 
that feeling of instead of feeling like you're, it's happening to you, you're proactive, you're ahead of the curve. And I just think teams around Australia could so benefit from this. So how do people get in touch with you? Thefair28thursdays.com is my email address. You can contact me there or 28thursdays.com is a website or on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn as well and little daily, daily posts. Steph Clark, yeah. follow her on LinkedIn, get amongst it, make it happen. Okay, final question. Mm-hmm. What you, what you forgotten? What's, been, what's your favourite <laughs> colour? <laughs> Wait, I know what it is. Best career advice. Life is short, but careers are long. Life is short, but careers are long. Mm. Tell me more. Basically, life is short, as we know, we need to make the most of that. But careers, we've got like 60 years of working yeah. and none of us are retiring <laughs> because there'll be no one to support. Like there's futures, there is the, the demographic problem is a big, yeah. big problem. So we, none of us are going to be able to retire. So therefore, we're going to be working forever and ever. And even if you're not, you're still, you're going to be working for like 45, 50 years for most people. In which case, you might as well, number one, enjoy it. Yes. And number two, remember that you've got that amount of time. So if you're three years into your career and you're like, I can't change, it's too late. Like you could be 20 years into your career and still have another 20 years to go. So it's never too late to change that. It's not wasted time. And especially now, those being able to take different skills from different industries, different jobs, and infiltrate them into another industry or another organization amazing because that's that's the that's where the magic happens in terms of complex problem solving creative thinking lateral thinking etc so the more people are comfortable that any career decision they're making isn't they're not making a decision forever number one and that you can always change your mind and change Mm. direction because you've got forever like there's so much there's so much time when it comes to work and I think that idea of getting good at changing your mind mm. is such a good skill. Yeah. Like I've been doing this gig for, t- for five years, not feeling it anymore, mm. but I can change my mind and do something new. And the more you're able to adapt, like we've been talking about this yep. the whole episode about how you learn, adapt and grow. The more you put yourself in uncomfortable situations where you've got that big growth journey, yep. that's where you want to be. Yeah. I was just, I was turning my notebook that just there. You might have got the like nice bit of ASMR sound. <laughs> uh, Jose Ramos, who is a futurist, he talks about this idea of the triple A, triple A rating that we need for ourselves and for organisations, which is about being anticipatory, agile and adaptive. And that's the, those are the kind of fundamentals of what we need in order. And actually, if we're good at all of those, that gives us our AAA rating. So kind of like they do in economics with like giving countries and things, AAA ratings. Anticipatory. Is that how you say it? Yep. Yep. Agile. And adaptive. I love it. It's a good sense check. Mm. It's another good model. Yeah. And you properly quoted it. Didn't claim it as your own like me with that. Oh, great model. I do a team <laughs> player. Wait, that's not mine. <laughs> uh, love it. What's yours? What's mine? I've said this before, but I just can't get past it. So everyone, I don't apologize because I will rant on this till the day cows come home. Daniel Pink's book, The Power of Regret. Mm. It really came into my world at a time that I needed it. And <laughs> a lot his, of regrets. <laughs> well, I had a lot of fear to act. Okay. So it's before I started my business. Mm-hmm. Business is called Bold Side. And his quote from his book really influenced me. And it was that people don't regret the things that they did do as much as they regret the things they didn't do. Oh, this is my like motto for life. And he said that beautiful thing in the book is, 
people regret the failures of boldness. Yes. yes. And for me, I just keep reminding me, anytime I get freaked out about a career decision, a work thing, my sense check is always to go back and go, am I not doing this because I am afraid to be bold? Mm. Or am I not doing this because out of fear? And that be- that's now become like a guiding thing of, well, I'm going where that tells me to go because it's yeah. an indicator. And so if you're listening and you have a career decision to make and it feels like you might be out of your depth or it feels like, I don't know if I've got it in me to do this thing, like it's overwhelming or daunting, come back to that thing of the biggest regrets are the failures of boldness. Mm, yeah, in, that is my life motto. Oh. That's so good. And I think as well, the remem- remembering, and this is more of that, the underlying life motto that I use, not just in, in work or careers, everything is undoable. Outside of life and death, everything is undoable. Yes. That is really, yeah, you, you can change the path. You can yeah. go, you know what, not into it. You turn, going to go backwards. Yeah. <laughs> go over here. Yeah. I love it. Hey, this has been such a good convo mm, and it seems thanks. so nice to see your face. Like, right. just, the best part about this and no one can... No, no one's experiencing this, but we're in the same room and there's something magic about being in person. Yes, the whole time I've been like, look, there she is. Right there. <laughs> I can touch you. Touch you. <laughs> okay. So, hey, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and message Steph on LinkedIn uh, and you can find her there. And you. They can find you there too. They absolutely can. I'll just be posting all the things. <laughs> your beautiful branding. I do oh. enjoy your branding and oh, your look, you. look of your things. Well, I love your branding. I love the things that you mail out to us. Thanks. (laughs) All right. Hey, thanks for hanging out. If you also five star rating and review if you like the episode, bless you. You're the best. Bye. (laughs) Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money, My Millennial Daily, and Retire Right. Find these wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.